glad you're here. I'm certainly thankful for the opportunity to, to speak to you this morning. Have you ever been commissioned for a task, a role, a job? Maybe you're crafty or artistic and you've been commissioned to create something, a form of art, an item. Uh, recently, an impressive sculpture of David and Goliath was commissioned to commemorate our pastor's first sermon preached here at First Baptist. Maybe you saw it while it was on display. There are several beautiful works of art throughout our church that have been commissioned to artists and architects. Maybe some of the most famous commissioned works in history are Da Vinci's Last Supper and Michelangelo's work on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. One lesser known work of art that was commissioned many years ago was a picture of a tiger that my son asked me to draw. <laughs> there was a time in my son's life where he was just obsessed with all things tigers, so much so that he began to only request to wear orange he wore a hat that had a tiger coming out of it. We'd go to the zoo. We're there for one reason. We're about our tiger business. This is what we were doing. And one day, he brought to me this very nice, heavy, large uh, book of glossy photos of animals. And he brought this full layout photo of a tiger to me. And he said, Dad, I want you to draw this. And after some convincing, I knew it wasn't going to go great, but his persistence paid off. And I said, oh, okay, all right, I'll do it. And so I'm gonna be honest with you. I really tried. <laughs> I really worked on it. It was a crayon on canvas uh, work of art. <laughs> I remember when the big day came, when it was time for the reveal and I brought it to my son. I showed him this work of art that I was commissioned to make and he very clearly said, Dad, that is not very good. <laughs> he was right, I'm a hack. He essentially told me in love, I can remember his face, but directly, now that's not what I asked for. <laughs> Over the years, I'm sure, like me, you've been commissioned for many works of art by your children and grandchildren, nieces and nephews and the like. You were and are a part of these priceless works. You finger painted as if Picasso. You've been a regular Michelangelo with the marker in your hand. You've Legoed better than Leonardo. You've Play-Dohed like Van Gogh. Yet as important as these great pieces are, our greatest commission comes from our God. He calls and he commissions his people for his work. The prophet Jeremiah was certainly no exception. Now Jeremiah's dad was a priest, so he would have also been expected to serve at the altar. In fact, his birthplace, Anathoth, was a place where the book of Joshua tells us that it was set aside for priestly families. So he was expected to be 
a priest, not a prophet. But just like in your life, our plans are often not God's plan. There's probably never been a time when serving God was really easy, but some periods in history are especially difficult. They're cumbersome for spiritual ministry, and Jeremiah lived in such an age. He was born in the reign of King Manasseh, undoubtedly the most evil man who ever reigned over the kingdom of Judah. During this time, man's deeds were desperately depraved. God's words were disregarded, certainly disobeyed. Eventually, Judah would be reigned by a good king in Josiah. The idols were removed, the temple was repaired, and the worship of Yahweh restored. But the people had not turned to the Lord with their whole hearts. He was only able to lead them to reformation and not real revival. After Josiah dies, Judah's legacy is littered with leaders who did evil in the sight of the Lord. So Jeremiah comes on the scene into this incredibly trying time, and the Lord does this. He puts his hand on Jeremiah. In fact, the scripture tells us he puts his hand upon his mouth. And he says, see, I've appointed you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Jeremiah, I've got a job for you. Jeremiah, I've got work for you to do. I want you to realize this morning, maybe to remember that you have a commission over your life from the Lord, an assignment from the King of Kings, a vital vocation over your life. My prayer is that you'll give special attention to God's word this morning. It has the power to transform each of our lives. Will you look there in Jeremiah chapter one, We'll read verses 17 through 19 this morning. Now gird up your loins and arise and speak to them all which I command you. Do not be dismayed before them or I will dismay, before, I will dismay you before them. Now behold, I've made you today as a fortified city and as a pillar of iron, as walls of bronze and the whole land. To the kings of Judah, to its princes, to its priests, to the people of the land, they will fight against you, but they will not overcome you. For I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. He says first, now gird up your loins and arise. Or you could say it this way. This is what I want you to remember. Get ready to go. Jeremiah, get ready to go. Now, we don't say gird up your loins often anymore, do we? If someone told you, hey, let's go, go ahead and gird up your loins, <laughs> you'd have some questions or maybe a restraining order to file. But this is a common phrase throughout Scripture. It's talking about being prepared for a strenuous task. You, you remember men in those days wore robes or tunics that were long and they would need to fold them up or pull them up and cinch them in a belt if they were gonna travel, if they were gonna go get ready for physical work. He's saying, get ready for action. 
Even in the New Testament, this is used as Peter says to gird up the loins of your mind or get your mind ready, have the right mindset. So we might paraphrase it this way today, cinch up your belt, roll up your sleeves. Jeremiah, I've got a job for you. I've got work for you today. It's time to go. Have you noticed that children are often not ready or prepared for the task at hand? I've learned over the years of raising three children that you can see just how unprepared they are through the shoes that they choose. <laughs> hey kids, we're gonna go hiking. You guys go, okay, get ready. We're gonna meet in the car, we're gonna go. You show up at the canyon, wherever you may be. One of them is gonna step out in a pair of cheap sandals, I promise you. And before the first five minutes are past, somebody's blowing out a flip-flop. I've been there, you've seen it too. Let's go, we're gonna be late for church. Oh, no son, we're not wearing our baseball cleats to church today. Today, I'm sorry. Guys, we gotta go, go get in the car. It's time to go, we're gonna go to the store. You get there, you get to the store, you open the door and a, a child doesn't step out of the door, they roll out and you think, we, I didn't even know we had rollerblades and yet here <laughs> we are. Maybe most evident when you come home and you say, hey guys, I need help carrying the groceries in and it never fails. The youngest comes out, avoids their own shoes and comes out in mom's high heels. Just a minute, <laughs> gonna get there reaches into the bag, gets out a, a chapstick, and is like, I'll be back for that gum, <laughs> round two. Sometimes we're unprepared and unexpectant to the task we've been called to. We often wear house shoes when we need work boots. See, we can get comfortable on the sideline, content to watch others work, some of us are like the kid watching butterflies in the outfield or sitting on the sideline, never expecting to get in on the action or hear our name called. But listen, just as the Lord called Jeremiah's name, he calls yours too. And the ministry he has for you is near and it's now. It's not in just the past. It's not something just for the future. He wants to use you today. Jeremiah, I've got a job for you. Get ready. Get up and go. And he calls to you today, this morning. Get ready. Get up and go. He tells Jeremiah to get ready to go. And then he says this in verse 17. Speak to them all which I command you. He says, get ready to go. And then he says, tell them what I tell you. Tell them the things that I've commanded you. He says to stand up and speak what's been spoken to him. That's a direct command to Jeremiah for his prophetic work. One author said he must gird up, stand up and speak up. He's gonna be God's mouthpiece. What a ministry. He must say exactly what God says, only what he says. And it's a hard message he has to deliver. I can just imagine, well, God, Jeremiah is saying, what would you like me to tell them? 
uh, that you love them and that you're always thinking about them and that you're proud of them and you want them to be hashtag blessed? No. Actually, what I had in mind was this. Tell them they need to repent of their wicked ways, turn from their false gods, remember their covenant with me, and that defeat and destruction is in their future. No one's going to want to hear your message. You're going to suffer death threats, isolation, arrest, chains, imprisonment, starvation. You're going to be in tears most of your ministry. Is that right? When can I start? (laughs) Jeremiah has to serve God as his prophet through 40 turbulent years. And all this Jeremiah is to dedicate himself to speaking God's word, a word no one wants to hear, but Jeremiah is God's choice and he appoints him to this kingdom moving ministry of significance. Now there are some jobs or ministries and kingdom work that seem to be a bit sweeter or easier than others. Years ago in the first church that I worked for, they had a, a neat event. It was a lot of fun where, uh, where men on Mother's Day would have a big cake bake for all the mothers. And it happened on Sunday night and there were, there were cakes everywhere. It was an honor of all the mothers. It was a fun idea. And they had all kinds of different awards that they would give the men that made these cakes. You know, the best tasting cake and the the prettiest cake. And um, the cake most needing a mother's touch was one of the (laughs) awards. And I, I won it one year, I'll just be honest with you. As I look back on it, it was a form of cake shaming, but... um, (laughs) But it's okay, I'm over it. It was only 17 or 18 years ago, I'm not still talking about it. But as I've thought about that over the years, it was somebody's ministry, somebody's job to go through and just taste all those cakes, cake after cake after cake. That's the kind of job I'm looking for, right? (laughs) Just going down those aisles singing, there's a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. (laughs) Pastor, I feel led to this ministry. There's a cake calling over my life and I surrender all. See, it's not often that we get appointed to those jobs, however. God often commissions us to service that's not so sugary sweet. Serving the Lord is joy. It is a privilege for us. There's great fulfillment in it. But sometimes we're appointed to work that is bigger than us. It's burdensome and it's bitter at times. It can look less like something that's in our comfort zone and more like our cross to bear. I want you to know that I'm preaching to my own heart this morning. Just because it's difficult or it doesn't seem to fit our talents, gifting, personality, or skill set, doesn't mean God hasn't commissioned us for it. Sometimes we're too quick to dismiss a directive from the Lord. We dismiss it based on our comfort over our commission, our preference over our purpose. And listen, we miss an opportunity for blessing through obedience and for God to be glorified, showing his sovereign power through us. Jeremiah is known as the weeping weeping prophet. And he certainly did his fair share, but he was a man of courage. 
He faced countless troubles and trials, yet he remained true to the Lord. And Jeremiah had a tough road ahead and he knew it, but he followed the Lord. The Lord assured him he would ready him. He wouldn't be alone. Jeremiah, I've got a job for you. Get ready. Get ready to go. Tell them what I tell you. A third thing, don't be dismayed. Don't be dismayed. Do not be dismayed before them or I will dismay you before them. Now behold, I've made you today as a fortified city and as a pillar of iron, as walls of bronze against the whole land to the kings of Judah, to its princes, to its priests and to the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they will not overcome you. For I'm with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Don't be dismayed. The Hebrew equivalent there for dismayed conveys the idea to, to break. Don't break before them. Don't fall apart. He could walk courageously, confidently into his commissioned role because God would prepare the prophet and he would offer him his presence. He would be like a fortified city, a pillar of iron, walls of bronze. Kings, princes, priests, prominent people of all the land would fight against him by every means. They wouldn't be able to overcome him because the Lord would be with him every step of the way. It's been a joy to watch the loft go up. I bet you enjoy it when you come on Sundays and you see each week a little bit more work has been accomplished. It's amazing how much goes into the process. And I've had the opportunity to watch most days as the, the foundation has been laid and the, the walls begin to go up. I've been in awe of the amount of concrete and just how much cinder block is there. How many steel beams are being fastened together to strengthen that structure. So when those West Texas winds blow and we know they will, that it will stand. And for years, that place will be a place of ministry to bless others. God tells Jeremiah, I'm gonna make you strong. I'm gonna strengthen you like a bronze wall like iron, I'm preparing you for this task. It's easy to become discouraged and dismayed at the opposition we find in the world, but if God has called us and commissioned us to, us, to it, he'll fortify us for it. God won't call you to what he won't equip you to do. The faithful servant of God has an anchor in the awareness that God will both prepare him and give his presence. The beautiful thing about you and me as believers is that no doubt God has promised us to, to be with us, that he'll prepare us. But he's done this wonderful thing in his church. We're not alone in carrying this message. See, he's put other believers around us. In fact, scripture says he's fitly framed us together. 
And so he's prepared us for this. He's strengthened us in it. He's given us his presence, but he's put those around you, your brothers and sisters in Christ to, to strengthen you as you go through the storms in life, as you face the opposition. Through his word, scripture tells us, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, that we are fully capable, equipped for every good work. Jeremiah, Jeremiah, I have a job for you. Get ready to go. Tell them what I've told you and don't be dismayed. The Lord himself put his hand on Jeremiah and commissioned him for the task. Listen to me. He's put his hand on you too. Commissioned you. Called your name. This passage in Jeremiah reminds me of a New Testament passage with a similar commission. Maybe you've heard it before. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. See, God told Jeremiah, get ready to go. He told you, go into all the world. He told Jeremiah, tell them what I've told you. He tells you, teach them to observe all things that I've commanded you. He told Jeremiah, don't be dismayed, I'm with you. He tells you, oh, I'm with you even to the end of the age. Do you remember that your commission, this calling over your life? I remember asking our pastor, Dr. Batson, in my interview process, before we moved here and came to work at the church, I asked, does the church have a, a mission statement, a, a motto of sorts that they adhere to? And I won't soon forget what he said said, I've always felt like the Great Commission was enough. Is it still enough for you? Still enough for your life? Have you discovered a calling you've deemed greater than the Great Commission? God places his people by no accident in schools and stores, offices, factories, hospitals, boardrooms, in every area of society, a million different vocations, but just one great commission over each of us. What an honor, what a joy we have, not just to carry a message of repentance, but a message of hope. He holds me fast. He'll hold you fast too. I've been forgiven. He'll forgive you too. See, your life, my life is like a commissioned work of art. We've all been given a canvas and a brush. Every day you're given is an opportunity to paint a portrait that points to Jesus. Every moment you have a brush stroke. Every season a scene, as time ticks on, the sum of your days are illustrated by the canvas of your life. Now many of us have carried out a myriad of lesser callings, 
We paint and we paint and we work, but if it's apart from God's commission for our lives, it always ends up an indulgent, hack, cheap self-portrait. I'm afraid there are moments in our lives when we would pull off the covering on the canvas of our lives to find a similar, similar reaction that I received from my son many years ago. The Lord looking at us in love and saying, that's not what I asked from you. See, the good news is there are transformational times in our lives when we realize we're not doing what he's asked us to do. And the beauty is when we recognize it, we confess it, we turn back to his ways. The master artist takes a blood red shade that only he possesses and he wipes our canvas clean, somehow making it spotless white again. He cleans our brush restores our palate, tells us once again to roll up our sleeves, to get up and go. Make mistake, make no mistake. Make no mistake, just like Jeremiah, you and I have been commissioned. There is a brush in your hand. I wonder what kind of picture you're painting. Let's pray. God, we're so grateful for your word. We're thankful for the truth of it. We're grateful that we can stand and sing this morning that you hold us fast. God, you've given us such a gift in your son. May we not be distracted or discouraged. God, may we not choose another path. God, may we remember this wonderful, holy gift of a call and commission you've given us. God, to make disciples. What a blessing. What an honor. God, thank you that you're not done with us. When we lose our way, God, when we come to you in in confession, you give us forgiveness. You put us back on the right path. Lord, how often we need it. Lord, may you help us by your spirit and your power to be victorious as we go and make disciples. God, may we again roll up our sleeves, get up and go. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.